Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast. In this series, I'll be talking to business leaders from across the world of work who will be sharing their expertise to help you effectively lead your business, both now and in the future. When operating in a position of leadership, higher demands, pressures, and responsibilities can sometimes make it difficult to cope and effectively manage your work and teams. As a result, resilience is proving more important than ever before in order to adapt in this ever-changing climate. So today, we're joined by Dr. Susan Kahn, business psychologist and coach, and author of the new book, Bounce Back. Susan is here to share her expert advice in order to help business leaders build resilience in themselves and role model this trait to support their teams too. Hi, Susan, and thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Megan. It's good to be here. To begin with, please could I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners uh, and tell us a little bit more about your background and your career journey to date. Yes, of course. Well, I began uh, my career as an anthropology graduate who joined telecoms um, and later, as you know, moved on to become a business psychologist. Um, telecoms was an extremely exciting time of transformation when I joined and I became fascinated there both by the way organizations change, the way products and services change, but also about the way people led and directed that change. And then through various twists and turns, I, I trained as a consultant using psychoanalytic methods and began to investigate below the surface dynamics in organizations. So distinguishing between what's presented and what's really going on. And this work feeds into everything I do, really, my writing, my teaching and my coaching work. Thanks. And what sparked your, your interest in resilience that led you to write your book, Bounce Back? Well, during the financial recession of 2007, I was doing some research in a failed bank and I had a very sort of privileged position witnessing the very slow shutdown of this organisation and exploring the experience of loss and endings and, and really catastrophic change. And it was fascinating to note who within that organisation seemed to work through those challenges with relative ease and those who got stuck and really struggled. And this fascination led to another book on loss and mourning, but ultimately to Code and Page approaching me about writing Bounce Back. Thank you. Now, in your book, you devote a chapter to the specific resilience challenges that leaders face. Can you tell us more about this area of developing resilience uh, in, in a bit more detail? Yes, I mean, I think leaders face a particular challenge when their organisation or team or, as we're experiencing now, world events are stressful or demanding because they not only have to manage their own fear, their own panic, their own anxiety and perhaps even dread, but at the same time be a, a containing and supportive force for those around them 
reassuring those that they've kind of got this, that they're leading those who are turning to them for guidance and support with authority and and with capability. And it's a really tough position to be in. So you're sort of almost sandwiched between two demanding forces. And perhaps also this is particularly challenging for newly appointed managers or people who are in new organisations establishing themselves. And why do you think it's so important for business leaders to build resilience right now? What are the common challenges that resilience will help them overcome? But I think it's very important to acknowledge that we are all in a situation of stress and anxiety that we've been in for a very long time. We have been working and living and experiencing a period of enormous flux. And that has created an opportunity to develop our resilience, but also really to be challenged. We've moved from the kind of resilience that's required for dealing with an emergency, the sort of kind of fight flight response to something immediately challenging, to this very long drip feed experience where we don't know the end. So we're in a very heightened state. And that demands a sort of a sense of long resilience. You know, we have the psychological impact of social distancing, the loneliness and fatigue that goes along with that. And business leaders have to communicate constantly to make sure that their people are feeling connected and understood and supported. And that is much more demanding at the moment. Uh, There's so many unexpected things that are happening and so many different ways in which people respond to the crisis that we have a lot of challenges as leaders. And to overcome them, I think that we need to really focus on attending to ourselves as leaders to our own well-being, our own self-awareness. Thanks, Susan. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Sticking with this, what are the key benefits of resilience? And, um, and are these becoming even more important uh, for leaders to own in this ever-changing world of work? Yeah, I mean, you're so right, Megan, that things are changing so fast. It's really hard to anticipate even what's going to be coming in the next month, never mind in the sort of coming years. So I think that, you know, in terms of benefits of resilience, it it might sound a little bit counterintuitive for me to report that I think a, a kinder and more benevolent approach to decisions is a really positive impact of becoming more resilient. Being able to take a a helicopter view, in my work as a mediator, we often use the term turning to the balcony, taking another perspective on things and developing resilience. We have this capacity to stand back, to leave the current crisis and take a look at what's going on. And attached to that is a sense of opportunity to to learn. Lots of work has been done on, you know, post-traumatic stress and the after effects of going through real crisis. But there's less attention given to what's known as post-traumatic growth. The idea that through real adversity, we can actually learn and grow so much. And I, I suspect many people are sitting in that position now that despite the difficulties, they've really grown through this period of challenge. But 
just to add particularly for leaders, this idea of being a model mentor to others can be both a wonderful opportunity for you to share your learning and expertise, but again, an, another demand. I think generally with resilience, you know, one can turn to the master of resilience, the master of working through adversity, uh, Viktor Frankl, who says that when we're no longer able to change a situation, we're challenged to change ourselves. And this is really at the heart of resilience. Now, what traits do leaders need in order to possess the kind of resilience that we've just discussed? Mm. Well, Resilience is absolutely universal. It's not something that leaders have or they don't have. So if a leader is feeling a little fragile or frail, they can know that it's something that can be developed. We all have the capacity to become more resilient. But in order to develop that resilience, you have to have a willingness to rethink, to, to have self-compassion and to consider alternatives. And I think that Donald Winnicott, the psychoanalyst's gift to us all of good enough is a wonderful trope to adopt here. This idea that we don't have to be perfect, that we can actually do our best to deliver what we need to deliver, and that is good enough. And so abandon this notion of perfection or getting everything right, because it's simply impossible. Uh, I think everyone listening will be glad to hear that resilience isn't a kind of an innate trait, but it can be learnt and, and built. Do you have any strategies that leaders can follow to build resilience in themselves? I mean, absolutely. This is, this is, I think, at the heart of my work, the idea that we do have tools and techniques and ways in which we can build our, our resilience. And they don't have to be hugely time consuming. Just to give you some ideas, you know, let's think about in terms of mind, body, sort of heart and soul, you know, in terms of the way we think, cognitive reframing, you know, choosing to be optimistic, having what Carol Dweck calls a growth mindset. So rather than limiting our beliefs and thinking, you know, I'm not good at that, or I'm not good in a crisis, or I'm, I'm always the person who makes a mistake, to begin to readdress your thinking around yourself. That's one strategy. Mind and body are inextricably linked. We're learning more and more about this, but we we must take care of ourselves. It's not a selfish thing to make sure that we have a, a walk every day, that perhaps we do some breathing exercises or meditation, that we're, we're making sure that we're hydrated, that we've got sort of reasonable diet. These are sort of things that people think, oh no, more and more the same and same, but it makes so much sense to take care of our physical selves and that helps our resilience enormously. And in terms of our relationship with others, you know, we really are social creatures and we need each other. So sort of connecting to others, you know, even, you know, revealing what you're struggling with or what you've been pleased with, sort of bonding with authenticity is a very vital way to build resilience. And at the heart of all this, you know, perhaps you know, the soul of the matter is being connected to some sense of purpose, believing that the sacrifices you're making, that the work you're doing is worthwhile because you're working towards something that matters to you. So I think there are some headline strategies that could really help to build resilience. 
Those are great strategies. Thank you, Susan. Is there anything else that our listeners can be doing in addition to what we've just discussed? I mean, lots. I've got about 50 exercises in Bounce Back, but uh, let, me, let me just perhaps uh, refer to a few other things. There's real value in finding a bit of space to talk and express yourself. And if you don't have um, a trusted colleague, a coach, a sort of thinking partner, you might want to do some journaling to make sure you're expressing your progress or worries yourself. That can be extremely cathartic. And in terms of our brain and our neuroplasticity, to know that we do have capacity to literally rewire our brains, that our brains can change themselves. This is a wonderful development in understanding about brain function that teaches us in very practical ways, but simple ways, we can actually rewire the way we think. So uh, an exercise of at the end of each day, just thinking about three good things that have happened, that we've achieved from the smallest thing to you know remembering to to you know, make that call or to chairing a meeting well or remembering to go for a walk can actually allow you to build this optimistic and growth mindset. Generally, I think forgive yourself your mistakes. You know, give up on perfection. I myself am a retired perfectionist and I can assure you it's much nicer on the other side. And um, learning to say no. I think these are all things that can be of additional help. Thanks for giving us a few more tips, um, and I appreciate there are even more in your book. Now, changing topics slightly, this is something we touched on earlier, and I wanted to explore further the topic of role modelling. How important is it for leaders to role model these behaviours to support and build resilience in their teams? Uh, and do you have any advice that, that you can share to help our listeners do this more effectively? Yeah, I mean, I think it might sound a little counterintuitive for me to stress that leaders showing vulnerability is one of the most powerful things that they can do. Mm. Allowing teams to see that everyone finds things that are difficult, even those with knowledge and power and authority, is a very strong message of we're in this together, that you're not expected to get everything right. And also gives a strong message that, you know, you're open to listen and learn. You're not presenting yourself as a perfect example of a leader or somebody in the workplace. So I think that vulnerability and recognizing that however hard we try, we're going to make some mistakes at some point is an enormously powerful and valuable thing that a leader can do. And I think that that, that message is beginning to change. The idea of strong, unbending leadership is, is really shifting. Now, on this theme of breaking ideas or, or notions that there's such a thing as a perfect leader and, and how leaders should be, be more vulnerable, do you think it can be beneficial for leaders to let their teams experience failure to make them more resilient? And if so, how can our listeners support their teams in embracing failure and learning from their mistakes? 
Absolutely, Megan. Being able to experience failure is our journey to wisdom. It's only by trying and failing and learning and trying and failing again that we do get to any sense of conquering our skills and our knowledge and our understanding. And it's the really wise, I think, that are recognizing as soon as they've learned something that they know very little, that other people who are on course to become really kind of knowledgeable. So I think failure is can't be avoided. You know, it's universal, as is adversity. You know, we're all going to face some difficulty at some time. We're all going to have challenges, be that loss, be that health, be that relationship rupture. So failure is something that hits us all. So hiding it can be really damaging. You know, as a leader, pretending that you never have had a failure can be something which is both inauthentic and also leads to people hiding mistakes, to not doing what we refer to as sort of failing fast, recognizing that something has gone wrong, learning from it and fixing it, but kind of brushing it under the carpet. And, you know, as society, you know, we've seen the damage that can be done in terms of the financial crash and even with the early responses to COVID of not actually acknowledging when things have gone wrong. And I think this very much connects to to the point that we discussed around vulnerability, that it's okay to fail because, frankly, we all do. That that makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Susan. It it kind of brings us right back around to um, to what we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation, learning from this crisis, post-traumatic growth, and really how we can all learn from when things go wrong as well. Now, I'd like to finish our conversation with a question that we ask all of our guests. What do you think are the three qualities that make a good leader? And crucially, do you think that these qualities have changed because of the pandemic? I love that question because it encourages you to really think and crystallize your ideas around leadership. And so I would say that at first, communication is vital in any time of leading and guiding a team. But at the moment, I think it's communication, 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 both as a way of containing, i.e. allowing people to understand the parameters of what they're working in and helping people to have clarity about what's expected of them, what's going on. And most importantly, to be able to listen to what people have to say, both in terms of learning and being able to understand and take the, you know, the temperature of the room, but also um, to be able to have a sense of the way you're managing the crisis, seeing how that's impacting. And I, I think in terms of how that element of communication impacts at the moment, I think everything is amplified. Every sort of moment of feeling isolated and disconnected is created in a much more amplified way because we are working with home. We don't have our colleagues around us. We don't have the prompts that help us to you know, get through the day. So, so communication is one. I think secondly, self-awareness and and alongside that self-compassion. So to not only know who we are as leaders, perhaps recognizing that we might be a bit intimidating to some people or that, you know, we have a certain style 
or even that we enjoy recruiting people who agree with us that have the same kind of sense of values and understanding and being able to recognize that and to be understanding of that can help us to then make changes and understand our patterns of behavior. And then finally, and this is something that I think applies to everybody, is that we have to be willing to change and adjust. You know, the necessity of change has never been so dramatic as it as it has in the last year. But I think that that ability to think again, to question our judgments, to be able to have the confidence to say, you know, I got that wrong. Let's try something else is a, an amazing quality in a leader. Thank you very much for your answers. And thank you once again for joining us today, Susan. I have no doubt that our listeners will have found your insights hugely helpful and very informative. Um, and I know that I have. Oh, Megan, well, thank you for having me. And it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast. If you found this advice useful, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. At the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via email at socialmedia at